0: Welcome to an emergency edition of, hey, great shot. Westoff, right off the bat, I need fire sirens. I need tornadoes in the backgrounds. Oh my god, a lion's roaring. This is everything we could ask for because we have a college tennis scandal on our hands now. As much as we at Cracked Rackets love promoting college tennis, which we do at our website, CrackedRackets.com, with our various podcasts, the Great Shot podcast, the Cracked Interviews podcast, we are all about college tennis. It's not often that the college part of the tennis world takes center stage in the tennis community. And, you know, tennis Twitter is just a small portion, but it is the most vocal portion of the tennis community. And it was ablaze these past two days. We have a scandal unlike any other Two coaches caught in what I'm affectionately calling the pay-for-not-play scandal. Of course, we had a bunch of—the uh, FBI came out recently with a huge news item. A bunch of—throughout many programs, not just tennis, but sporting programs throughout the country, wealthier families giving uh, paying money to have coaches accept their kids. The kids, of course, don't actually end up playing the sport, but they get paid to give them a preferential treatment in, during the admissions process. As I mentioned, so many people caught up in the scandal, but this scandal hit college tennis right at its heart. And so to help me talk about this, to help me talk about some of the other developments we've got going on in the college tennis world, because there were some great tennis results as well this past week, I want to talk about those. He is the founder of College Tennis Ranks, a repeat contributor to the Great Shot podcast. You saw his shining face on our Instagram feed when we were together in Chicago. Chris Halioris, hey, great shot, and welcome back to the podcast.
1: Oh, as always, love to be here.
0: Uh, so let's start here with this scandal. I, I just want to read off real quick uh, a release from our friend Bobby Knight at College Tennis Today. Uh, University of Texas head coach Michael Center was arrested and charged with conspiracy to commit mail fraud and honest services mail fraud after reportedly accepting approximately $100,000 to designate a 2015 applicant as a tennis recruit. The unnamed applicant was accepted at Texas and subsequently enrolled in school but never played. Center placed on administrative leave. I believe that's updated to fire today. Bruce Burke taking over in the meantime. Center appeared in court on Tuesday and pleaded not guilty, released on a $50,000 bond. Now, the current Rhode Island women's head coach and the former Georgetown coach, Gordon Ernst, was charged with conspiracy to commit racketeering. He's reported to have accepted approximately $2.7 million in bribes Holy f***ing shit. For $2.7 Chris, I'm in. I get it. No, that's completely fair. That We shouldn't be making a joke about this. But point being, I cannot believe $2.7 million funneled on that Georgetown team. Would have been nice if they were a little bit better. Um, in bribes, help facilitate the acceptance of multiple applicants over a six-year period at Georgetown. Uh, the full details of Ernst's case, all of these cases you can find elsewhere. The school, uh, Rhode Island, has uh, placed him on leave, but they haven't fired him yet. I don't even know, Chris. What do you make of all of this?
1: Well, 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 first of all, I think you have to I have to go back and say you have to take the tosh, the tosh stance in some of this and go, "Hey, if you ever say there's nothing funny about blank, well, then we just <laughs> we just can't be friends." So, uh, I mean, I uh, yeah, it's serious, but my gosh, I'm going to look at it and just laugh. I mean, some of this is ridiculous uh you 2. know
0: 2.7 million, million dollars yeah
1: exactly I, I look at it and go man center's an idiot Right? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he only got a hundred thousand right but no i mean yeah so first of all i mean you know i the, you know there's so many sides of this that just make me shake my head you know one is you know if your kids can't get into the schools to begin with and hey texas is a great school but it's not georgetown or it's not an ivy league school either right if if you if the the guy that that paid like you know over half a million dollars in stock and whatever else just to get his kid admitted to a school a state school no i mean he you know if he couldn't get in on his own maybe you should have just let better things uh you know let them play out the way they were going to play out but uh, i mean to the to coach coaches tay i mean any taking money any kind of money is just ridiculous and then to take it and for kids that aren't even playing and you know i read the i don't know if you read the the charges the actual filings right that have i mean there's the phone conversations are actually in there right or or excerpts from the phone conversations uh and you you just read it and you can't help but shake your head i mean it's 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 so ridiculous that it's, it is it's actually funny when you when you sit back and think about it but but yet yeah, two but gordy ernst 2.7 million dollars to get kids into georgetown I mean, unbelievable
0: I mean yeah. there's so many different ways I want to take this the first thing is you know you hear rumors about things like this you know Chris you're as plugged in as anyone and I don't want to name names falsely implicate anyone so I with respect Chris let's try not to do that but it'd be a lie to say we didn't hear sh- this happens all the time oh yeah
1: no doubt I mean uh, you, you when you saw it come out I'm sure that many people who know who who know or have think they know or have heard rumors about say different programs probably went oh wow i can't believe program x wasn't you know involved <laughs> or named exactly right? i mean that was I, honestly that's the first thing i, I looked at it and went oh wow but it's like georgetown and texas <laughs> I'm yeah. like, i i could i could think of more likely scenarios no <laughs> okay. but I-
0: I'm not, by any means, an established member of the tennis media. I don't have a huge collection of sources I'm cultivating all the time. I'm working on it, and I'm trying, and everyone who tunes into our Crack Records content, we really appreciate that because that is one step in doing so. But I got texts yesterday, like, uh, you know— as surprising as this is, I'm really surprised X wasn't named. As you mentioned, I'm really surprised Y wasn't named. These are real things, so it's kind of interesting to me, and you have to wonder, with this scandal being brought to light, uh, again, we don't have inside information, but Chris, would it shock you if more stuff came out in the future?
1: Oh, I think it's almost inevitable that more is going to come out. Now, is it going to be more schools? I don't know, but, uh, you know, you a lot— so when the, the thing I think that that could definitely open up a, a huge Pandora's box was kind of the after the initial piece of it came out that where it was basically naming coaches and all, then we saw the uh, the director of whatever at, at IMG, right? I can't remember Mark's title, but basically you know accused of taking tests and, and SAT and ACT for kids, right. Now once you bring IMG into the mix now, now you have the opportunity to open up lord knows what uh because those tentacles reach everywhere
0: it's just it, it's mind-boggling you're absolutely right the fact that there are other people still implicated. You know, basketball is going through a similar scandal with assistant coaches, and there's more money in play there. Or so we thought, because it turns out Gordon Ernst has taken $2.7 million. I mean, maybe the yeah. money is in tennis. And it's funny, this whole indictment, it was the non-revenue sports. It was the tennises, the crews, uh, the ones where you can om- – you don't want to say you can get away with this. But on account – I mean – Look, I'm not trying to absolve Michael Center or Gordon Ernst of guilt, nor am I trying to say they are guilty because I don't think they – while they've been charged, they haven't been found guilty of any charge yet. Now, you look at it from – I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I'm they not all, even going to try and defend them. I, what is the other like? What is the other side of this argument?
1: And I don't
0: think there, there I don't, don't think, think there is, is
1: one, right? All, but, but the only thing I could say, and I realized this is the pot calling the kettle black because we are, after all, talking about college tennis that outside of, you know, us and anybody listening, nobody cares about, right? But but sailing? I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, I read all of that and I was like, Stanford sailing? Really? <laughs> I mean, but I guess that's, I mean, if, I guess if you're looking to, to slide your kid into a school that they can't get into. Otherwise uh, it's not like you can make them out to be a football prospect. You have to pick these sports that no one's looking into. So, uh,
0: but, yeah, uh, but I guess my question is how do you monitor this moving forward? If you're the NCA's? because even if, you know, whoever this unnamed person is uh, for the Texas team, they never played, you know, they never showed up on the roster. There's no trace of them ever even, you know, being a part of the Texas men's tennis program, but It's a fact that kids will go to school, they will play a year, turns out they don't want to pursue a career in tennis, they want to quit, and I just want to make sure when when we're addressing this loophole, it needs to be clear that that should still be a viable option for players, and I'm just worried that in all this hoopla, that's something that's going to be missed, like for example, um, this girl, Laura ucras who... Happened to be a part of our club tennis national championship team. Shout out to them. Also happens to be the loving girlfriend of my older brother Eric. Shout out to them as well. She was, I think, top forty ITF junior in singles. She came to Michigan, tore her ACL her sophomore year, and thankfully, because there were protections in place, she got to she you know she quit the team. She got to stay at the school. She got to get her degree. She has a wonderful job now, and it's just, I'm worried that. There's a difference between joining the team and quitting and taking advantage of the system and I know that's clear, but I just don't know how you can address this loophole without that issue getting caught in the mix.
1: Well, it's really tough because, you know, one of the first things, you know, one of my one of my kids and my kids are older, so they're you know, they're all out of college age, but they they saw this and they followed the tennis with me and they said, Well, I mean, you know, the first thing one of my one of my daughters said was, How the heck did they not know that this kid never played tennis. He didn't even play tennis in high school, right? Talking about the one for center. Uh, and I said, well, you know, it's – yeah, It after the fact, that sounds easy. But how many layers of, of, of you know, double-checking and distrust do you have to have? Because who's, who's going at the school? You know what? I don't trust my tennis staff. I'm going to review every single person they're recruiting and make sure that they're actually tennis players. I mean, that sounds – you think about that that sounds ludicrous and then if you go do it with every and all it does is add a bunch of overhead and then if you're going to say well now it's not just the school that has to police it we want the NCAA to police it as well so they need to be doing that on behalf of every not it's not every kid that gets signed even it's every kid that's even recruited because for for all these kids that got in and and were listed as recruits that got in how many of them did they maybe try and at the process it didn't work they didn't get them into the school uh you know there's I don't know. I don't know how you come. I mean, obviously, something's got to be be done. But, but I look at it and go, it's just it's so ridiculous that it's it's, it's only going to add overhead and more cost, and you know, eventually, you know, take up enough money that we end up losing scholarships because we have to hire administrators to look over things like this.
0: This is a very specific field, but the college roster auditors out there—the people who went to college to do that. They're in business. Every school is going to be auditing their athletic department. You need to know which of my coaches are doing this because there's – I'm not throwing them under the bus. I know nothing of malfeasance in this, but I know how much money the Michigan crew team in terms of what they raise in fundraising, and they do a wonderful job as a club team doing fundraisers, doing charity work, so huge shout out to them. I'm just using them as an arbitrary example I know how expensive that sport gets. I know, you know, oh, I'll donate a new boat anonymously. That's a very viable thing in all these departments now. Yeah, what is it? Check the poop deck, check the fort, whatever the, the crew terminology is. I know I got that wrong. That's why I cover tennis. But it's a it's it's fascinating. We'll, we'll start to transition here. Here's an arbitrary question. Don't preview the match, but this is how we're transitioning. Who comes into... Our Ohio State-Texas match more fired up? Ohio State coming off of their first loss, playing a match without J.J. Wolf? Or this Texas team thinking, well, we just lost our coach, but, you know, f*** that. Our team's still sweet. Like, we have a lot to prove this year.
1: Yeah, I actually, you know, it, it, it's a really interesting question. I'm, I have not heard anything from from the Texas side. Uh, I My gut would almost tell me that, you know, they have to be just hating it. Not, I mean, regardless of what they thought about, you know, center to begin with, they have to be hating the fact that they're just all this publicity is now shining on their team for not, you know, nothing that any of those kids did. And they probably don't want that kind of publicity, right? They just want people following their tennis. And this isn't the kind of, you know, hey, any publicity is good publicity thing. They don't, they don't want all the they don't want the people talking about them because of something that they're their coach or their staff or who you know whatever you know administration whoever was involved would have done i don't know that they're i don't know that that's going to really fire the team up per se like hey we want to win because of whatever happened to coach center i doubt that that's the case i, I think don't
0: know, you kind of want to prove everyone wrong kind of be like look yeah. that that's its own thing but we're still really good this year
1: yeah i don't i, I think you know if anything yeah, you I don't think,
0: understand how us kids think we're petty Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, it would be one thing if it if they were charges about illegal recruiting, and that maybe the kids on the team felt like they were being targeted as, "Hey, we got paid to get recruited." But as you so eloquently stated, this is the pay for not play scandal. So, (laughs) so there's there's no nobody even thinking that that's what happened here. So I don't think the kids have anything. You know, there's no incentive for them to kind of take it to heart, if you will. I think the Ohio State guys now will be much more fired up, if you if you will, from just from the perspective of hey, they they didn't have JJ and like lost to Texas A and M. They're not going to have him again because he doesn't even play until 7 p.m. tomorrow night, in Drummondville. Uh, so he's he's out for sure. Uh, and and they and now they've got what was you know what was theoretically on paper a tougher matchup. Texas A and M is proving to look really really good right now, but. But, yeah, those guys have to be – they've got to be thinking, hey, man, we we want to be able to prove we can win win without J.J. And uh, so I don't know. I mean, I think they're they're probably from that perspective more fired up. But on the flip side, the reason Texas is going to be fired up is because they got absolutely drummed Hmm. by Ohio State at indoors. And now they're outdoors and they want their revenge. So uh, I think for that reason, you'll see a fired up Texas
0: team it's gonna be a juicy match for sure and i have to say we'll we'll end here and then that was a good way of transitioning talking about that ohio state team so we'll get into that match first but i don't know for 2.7 million dollars would you coach that Georgetown team
1: i mean there's a for 2.7 million dollars there's a lot of stuff (laughs) i do (laughs) <laughs> that, uh, that, you know most of which i wouldn't even be proud of but, uh, you, but would <laughs> i
0: would i ever hear from you again or would you be like yeah. i am never wasting my time on a great shot podcast oh we
1: no 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 you've got it all wrong we would be i would be like a guest on your day on your mini break every day <laughs> because i wouldn't have to work anymore
0: <laughs> excellent plug by you i love it yeah i'm down look if we can do that I, i'll funnel people you can play on my usta team i'll make a usta team it's a very valuable Spot. um No, it's just, it's crazy. I, I guess that the big takeaway is stay tuned because there's certainly going to be more stuff that leaks out as, as a result of this. But as you mentioned, Chris, a ton of phenomenal tennis as well. It'd be stupid to start with anything other than the number one team in the country. Everyone's prohibitive favorite, it felt like coming out of indoors. Well, maybe not everyone's. I'm sorry, I was just trying to be hyperbolic, make a point. But the number one team in the country, Ohio State. Goes down to College Station, loses to a young, up-and-coming Texas A&M team that had beaten Georgia a little bit earlier in the weekend. They they come off of that win, lose the doubles point here, end up putting that da- uh, putting together a dominant performance in singles. Of course, the biggest thing I haven't mentioned yet: Ohio State played this match without J.J. Wolf, number one player in the country. We know what sort of an impact he made, but let's get to that in a second, Chris this Texas A&M team, they're legit. Oh, for sure. I mean, when, when they got, they got Hattie
1: back and then the, the big, you know, when they got Hattie back, that made, uh, that made their one, two, three, four rock solid. I mean, those guys are all, they're all back from last year. They're solid performers. You know, there's, they're in there. The real question with them was who is going to play five, six between the freshmen that they had and how are they going to perform? Right. And, they started out the and as you would expect out of freshmen, right? They started, eh, so so. You know, they they struggled a little. They 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 showed they could play with anybody, but they just couldn't pull out the wins. And then you know, as time's gone on here, and they've gotten a little more comfortable, they're they're winning and they're winning the matches for them. Uh, so you know, the, I, I watched the end of the the, the Texas A and M match against Georgia, and Guido Marson was playing Walker Duncan on six for the clinch and. You know, as I give the kid credit, he tried. You know, I don't know that he tried, right? It's you know a, a loose <laughs> saying that he tried to get up. He didn't try to get up. He almost gave it up, up 5-1 in the third, gets back to 5-4, and he's serving for it, uh, and ends up facing two break points. But he comes through and cl- hits a great shot at 30-40, uh, and then just a rally that Duncan nets a ball on to, to to give the match to AM. But uh But that kid looked, I mean... And he had played sparingly up until then, so you know it's a, you know, a, at that point I think Texas a m was still, you know, Steve Denton's looking for who's who's the guides that are going to play in those spots. I think you know Noah Schachter's definitely been in there. Non, he's there. He's playing. He's going to be in the lineup. They've tried, you know, Vedry at six. They've tried Marson at six. Uh, you know, they've they've got some different different things they can do there. But it looks like like Guido now is is going to be uh, at least at least for the short term with what he's done here recently, he's he's in there at six. Uh and I, they look good.
0: I mean we can save the Georgia component for another time because that's his own story. And as big of a fan as I am of Manny Diaz, the person, he's been so kind to us at Cracked Rackets, they've got some to figure out. You know, they are not anywhere near uh what we expected their level to be coming into this season. That being said, Texas A&M, both against Ohio State and Georgia, loses the doubles point. And for them to come back, as you mentioned, it speaks to the depth of their singles lineup. They're, we remember them playing early in the year, but it's very similar to Virginia in that the top four are so experienced. And it's, what are we going to get out of five and six? Can we steal a doubles point? So this team... You know, certainly a top 15 talent, certainly going to be in contention to maybe steal one of those quarterfinal spots in Orlando. They're going to be fun to watch on the Ohio State side, Chris. You and I had a very fun text exchange before their match with AM trying to project who was going to play and in what spots in this match against Texas A&M. I mean, Coach Ty Tucker pulls out all the stops as always. Goes Cobalt Trotter at one doubles, McNally Tubert at two, Selig Joyce just an unfair duo at three. Steal that doubles point. McNally with a great effort at one singles. uh, You know, Hunter Tubert was fighting to stay alive at six, but I I guess the problem for them, you know, yes, they're going to have J.J. Wolf later on, so it pushes everyone down, but Alex Cobalt at three, uh, shocking. And then Tim Siebert, we just don't know what to make of because it's just inconsistent performance after inconsistent performance and i'm not trying to doubt coach tucker he knows what he's doing but it's just it's a fascinating little kink in the ohio state 2019 season
1: well yeah certainly you look at it afterwards and 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 we think well both of us when we saw cobalt at three we thought i'll come that's i mean that's tie right there right (laughs) i mean and if and if you can i mean if you can do it sure go for it get away with it right so but uh And then, and then we were actually looking pretty silly when, when I, when he goes up a set 3.0. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was like looking, looking like a rock star there for a little while, but, uh, but yeah, you know, they've got, they've still, they still have to figure out. And I think, you know, they're, they're just now getting to the outdoor and it won't even in all likelihood, every match is still not going to be outdoors for them. They're still probably going to have some indoor matches, but they're just getting to the outdoor part of the season where, you know coach tucker is going to get to see who am i playing and where when it by the time we get to the end of the season uh, outdoors and it's you know when we get to ncas obviously you're not going to see uh alex cobalt playing three obviously jj is going to be in there so that won't be the case anyway but um they'll you know they'll get that figured out it'll but is he going to continue to you know, list Siebert somewhere and and maybe play him, maybe not, Uh, probably, you know, no, (laughs) nobody's, nobody is ever going to know what they're going to get against him because he's going to put a lineup in that, you know, he may or may not pull someone out of and not just put, pull in number six, right. He's going to pull his number four guy like he does with, you know, traditionally with Siebert. So I, I don't know. I mean, the, the A&M just absolutely did, you know, they, they did what they had to do and without, without JJ in there, it's, it was a whole different game for those Ohio state guys, and it'll it you know I expect we 're going to see much of the same uh you know tomorrow night
0: well, you mentioned this uh, a little bit, and we 've mentioned this obviously before, but I got to watch a little bit of the live stream and watching Tubert Cobalt, Joyce make that adjustment to outdoors, even McNally Ohio State is such an aggressive team they 're so comfortable moving forward to the net. And it just takes some time to get comfortable hitting approach shots outdoors. So don't think this is Ohio State at its best iteration. But you're right. It, it, as always, there's no Virginia, no Wake Forest, no USC team that is locked into the national title this year. So it's just it's going to be really interesting to monitor all of these teams now a team that's making its case for why everyone was so high on it earlier in the year, really hitting its stride, and, you know, we were going to record this podcast last night, but I'm happy we didn't. Matt Stokowiak's University of Florida Gators knocking (laughs) knocking out Mississippi State. I suppose your adoptive team as well. Knocking out Mississippi State, knocking out Wake Forest, losing doubles points but looking awfully comfortable in singles when they get to play outside. I mean, Chris, this is the talented Florida team we expected coming into the year.
1: It is, and they look like they're you know they're starting to hit their hit, hit the stride, but you know they're they're actually finally outdoors at home at the same time. So um, it's they are showing you know the 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 guys they've got in look. I mean, they, they haven't been you haven't seen up until this really this past weekend much of Lucas Greif for Florida and. Uh, he looks fantastic, uh, and he actually, for this weekend's matches, he's he's uh, been slotted. Get the I know you're going to love this. He's probably not going to play because they keep pulling him, and they didn't even play him in doubles today, right? But Alfredo Perez is now officially down to number six. Uh, so the lineup yeah. that went— The Bryce played that went five.
0: Kessler played six today. Your guy, McLean Kessler. Clearly Brian Sheldon listens to the podcast. <laughs> I just—the I, depth, it's crazy. Yeah, but I mean, and and
1: that's obviously what they what they play today has didn't have to coincide with the lineups they've submitted for SEC. But but what they did submit for SEC was, and I didn't look close enough to see whether they put Volley Kessler or Kessler Volley. But but they've got Greif at five, Perez six. They last week they actually had Perez five, Greif six, and they pulled Perez. Uh, you know, we when played it,
0: Volley right
1: when we played, and and so yeah, and then Volley, and they had Volley in front of Kessler. So so. Greif played five volley played six. Um, but, but Greif looked, I mean, he's looked great. He's, he's now put himself in the five spot. They've listed Perez six in all likelihood, you know, for whatever, they pulled him from doubles today. He's been playing doubles. I'm guessing, uh, that, that, you know, maybe there's something there. So they pull him and now we're back to seeing, uh, seeing either volley or Kessler, uh, at six and, uh, you know it's it, it's not a bad option to have when you get to when you get to play one of those two guys at six I mean we're talking about it like oh yeah, they got to play somebody at six, but you know that's a, that's a really good six no matter no matter what you what you've got so
0: no. exactly and you know they also beat an old miss team pretty comfortably. This is a team that probably goes into matches right now at least against top fifteen opponents and they'll see a lot of them in the s e c uh, obviously they just saw Wake Forest today. They don't expect to win the doubles point. They clearly don't have their combinations down. Perez out of the lineup today. Now, maybe that's him experimenting, but Perez-Englidson had been a rock-solid duo. You know, kessler Valle. they seem to be really wanting to make that work at one doubles, and then they've been experimenting. Andrade, Riffis, Crawford in the three spots. They played Englidson, I think, with Riffis today. Played Crawford with Andrade at two. Wake Forest ended up taking the doubles point. I mean, you know my thoughts on Oliver Crawford. I don't need to repeat it there. But when you've got, you know, Inglitson at four is pretty close to a lock. You know, you've got Riffus at three if he plays the way he's capable of. That's a really strong spot. Uh, If Perez comes back, as you mentioned, with Greif, whoever Florida has at six will always be a favorite. I mean, their depth is really to starting to shape, uh, starting to take shape. I know they still have a head-to-head with Georgia in a little bit, but they're now the prohibitive favorites in the SEC, right? Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, you know, coming in, you had, you know, they, they had to be the favorite. I, I there were some, people, you know, I'm surely Mississippi State could have argued, but
0: our I, Mississippi State Bulldogs, you're going to yeah. talk about them like that?
1: I yeah, I, I would. I had made Florida my. My favorite, and then, but you kind of had four teams coming into the year that you thought, and that was Florida, Mississippi State, Georgia, and Texas A and M. But uh, tech, and then with Tennessee being a close outsider there, but A and M, you know, you just you weren't sure. Now with with Habib back, they they could challenge. But yeah, that's you're you're looking at, at Florida probably having that the Georgia match and uh, the Georgia match and, and the Texas A and M match as being being the keys to to them running the table in the SEC in the regular season. But, you know, again, even, even if you go 12 and 0 in the regular season, like Texas A&M did last year, right? It's get winning the conference tournaments. No, no given. You got to do it all again. uh, And all in a, you know, a span of four days. So,
0: No, I I completely agree with you, and I think one of the things you look at in the SEC the depth this year, you mentioned Tennessee, who we're not going to talk about, but have had some great wins. LSU's frisky this year. Arkansas, frisky this year. Alabama, frisky this year. Not a lot of teams are going to have that big margin for error, you know, four through six singles positions where they're going to be able to just outclass their opponents. And I think Florida getting this early season win against a veteran Mississippi State team is going to boost their confidence so much. Uh, they're going to get a lot of tough matches still, but they're going to be feeling good going into those matches. They, of course, knock off Wake Forest today pretty comfortably. And uh, we'll talk about that match in a second when we get to the ACC. I want to stick with the SEC for one more team. I don't want to bring them up and hurt your feelings, but your Mississippi State, our Mississippi State, everyone's Mississippi State Bulldogs, and I'm wearing my shirt right now, Chris, Um, (laughs) they survive against South Carolina. That's really the best way of putting it. And then you, you have to imagine they're exhausted going into that Florida match, put up a great fight, winning the doubles point, doing the thing we've said they have to do if they want to have success but then kind of get outclassed in singles now. I know it's going to hurt for you to talk about this, but just in general, how are you feeling about your Bulldogs, or our, our Bulldogs right now? Well,
1: you know, so let's set the record straight. The only person that was exhausted this weekend was me because, <laughs> because I had to make the drive from Louisville to, to, to Columbia, South Carolina, to watch 90 minutes of a match that never got to finish, drive <laughs> from there to Gainesville, watch that match, then go back to Columbia so that we can finish that match the next day, and then drive home and be to work the next morning. So uh, that was like 26 hours of uh, of driving. That's that what sounds I,
0: nice. Yeah, and that's
1: what Trevor tells me afterwards. He's like, "You're the one that needs the uh, needs the rest." We, we were a little sitting on the bus, but no, I mean, I, yeah, clearly the, for 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 Mississippi State, you know, they were they knew they were coming in for uh, for a dogfight, and you know, it, it, that match was not. It ended up. It ended up five two, but it was not a uh, it was not a five two that you know was not a, a winnable match. We had you know there were two matches that that Florida just took. Obviously, we got the doubles point. They took two two straight set fairly easy easy matches, and then everything else um, was kind of up in the air. And and it it was right there. Uh, we were up a break in the third on four, and we got back on serve on. On two, and it was going to make it. That was going to make it a match right there. I mean, we get those two matches, and we win, and then the next thing you know, we give break right back and lose on four. And after getting on serve at five all at, at two, Andrade takes the next two games to win at seven five, and, and the match is over. Um, so it was. It was. You know, it's like anything else. There's. They're very rarely. I'll say very rarely, but we saw it tonight with Wake Forest. Very rarely do you just kind of run away with the singles and it's it's over and it was and it was never even really a match but it, which is what happened with, with mississippi state they were they were close matches it you know it could have happened but but in the end you know florida's the, the quality of their singles just just ended up winning out
0: yeah i i think we can leave it there i who am i to mention about the bulldogs when you were there firsthand there's i'm still fascinated by the team They're still—I still love them. So you may have lost Chris, who somewhere along I-75, he lost his will to watch any more tennis. But (laughs) I will be watching the rest of the year. Just to quickly go through, because we're not going to talk about them, USC, UCLA, uh, Stanford, Cal, all got wins this weekend as well. I believe Cal and Stanford swept Arizona and Arizona State. UCLA, still an interesting team. USC, still an interesting team because of the depth of the decisions that have to be made. Uh, but we're not going to break them down today. I could, but we won't talk about my Michigan Wolverines, who have been relatively quiet since we last spoke, although they did get a huge win over Notre Dame. So shout out to them. The Frisky team, I think up to number 13 in the rankings, number 14. That is shocking. And, Chris, you'll be happy to hear this. I was talking to Ty Tucker, and he mentioned he makes his own rankings every week.
1: Yeah, I, I heard that. and he, I, heard, I listened to that pod where he said he told his guys that they were number six in his rankings. Yeah. <laughs> That was amazing. yeah, that's like the uh I don't know what, the Belichick school or something. I don't I don't know, you know.
0: I would but, funnel but... that two point seven million to get a look at those rankings. Seriously. <laughs> that's that's a minimum asking price. But just so you know, you know, Michigan looking solid. Illinois has just taken some bumps. I think they lost to TCU. Maybe they lost to Baylor as well, but um, you know, in terms of the Big Twelve as well, TCU continues to look good. Baylor still don't know who's gonna play on any given day, but they've got a ton of talent. They continue to look good. Oklahoma still finding itself. It's going to be an interesting conference. The last conference I want to talk about with you, Chris, and then we'll do a little look ahead in our final rankings. But the ACC, they they really have had the Florida swing right now. We'll start with Wake Forest since we talked about their match with Florida. They lose that one 4-1. Of course, they're playing without Borna Gojo. Uh, Gojo doesn't play against Florida. doesn't play against UCF. Petros moves up one. They, you know, Sid uh, plays five. They they mess around Solomon. They bring in Zablinski. They mess around with Kungu and Estefalu. They're still trying to figure out their lineup is what I'm trying to say. But they survive against UCF. They win that match 4-3. And then against Florida, you know, they win the doubles point. But that lack of Gojo, everyone being pushed up one, just wasn't enough to hang with the talent of Florida. Now, you know, we had a debate earlier, Chris, you'd released a Twitter poll, who's more valuable to their team, uh, J.J. Wolf or Borna Gojo, and of course, J.J., uh, with Ohio State losing to Texas A&M, it seemed like he was the more valuable, but Wake Forest, the way they got blown out at Florida, you're just really not sure. And I guess what I'm asking this is my long way to talk about Wake, they've still got more questions than answers at this point in the year, right? They still just do not know what to do four through six. Yeah, I mean
1: that they've got but after after Gojo, Risohos and and Botzer.
0: It's it, who have looked incredible, up, yeah. by the way, Botzer and Risohos They are as good as advertised,
1: and and I think they're they're you know I would say they're ninety nine percent locked in at you at uh, in that next spot, right? Whether it's three or four, depending on whether Gojo's there. So with Gojo in, that's you know that puts him at four. But yeah, they're like like many of the other schools we've talked about. They don't have a clue what, what to do with five or six. And I was really looking forward today. I was almost somewhere in the back of my mind hoping that we were going to get to see that Tony was going to put Yuval Solomon in at six. Because <laughs> when, when Florida beat Wake at Wake last year, Kessler played Solomon and double bageled him. <laughs> uh, so I was kind of looking for for a remit thinking you know maybe there will be a but maybe he specifically did play him to avoid that possibility I don't know uh but but yeah I mean they definitely they don't they they don't have the answers at 5 and 6 I think you know we've all questioned well we know if there's going to be a weak spot clearly the, the questions at 5 and 6 are going to be much weaker than the strength they have at 1 2 and you know 1 2 and 3 so uh, you're, that's where you have to look by nature if you're looking for the weakness, but it's, it's a valid point. I mean, Florida now granted Florida is probably one of, you know, the deepest or one of the, you know, the top couple deepest teams in the country. They exposed the bottom of that lineup big time tonight, right? Three through six, nobody lost on the Florida team. Nobody lost more than five games. They go three and one, two and two, three and two, three and one, I think. Uh, so you you do that to to four player you know four guys on the on the wake team you know obviously a you're good and b they're struggling right now to find some form
0: well then what i want to do in our final exercise for this acc and then we'll move to our look ahead for the rest of the weekend um You've got UVA, who knocks off USF 4-3 uh, in a close match. Then they play UCF this week. They uh, they beat them 4-1, but five of those singles matches went to three sets. It really seems like uh, Virginia coach Pedroso is locked in with Nakashima at one. I think that's what he wants to end as his year And We saw him play in Chicago. Boy, is he talented, Chris. But then Soderlund at two. home three. Gianni Ross at four. Lizon and Goats seem to be the five and six thus far they play wood all in doubles are still trying to figure out some of their combos but they get two good wins this weekend and then of course we saw what unc did at indoors um their schedule has been a little bit more quiet than these other teams since the indoors but they can you know we, we don't need to tell everyone about their talent i'm pretty sure when you means and co did the preview pod we had wake as a definitive favorite for the ACC title has anything that's happened you know since the indoors changed your mind on that uh, proclamation
1: no I'm not changing my mind I mean it's clearly after you know with what we've seen up to this point dependent on you know Gojo playing if he's not <laughs> yeah. if if he's not going to play and they're going to feel the lineup or a semblance of a lineup like they had today but whatever it is it doesn't have him in there then they're not then in my mind they're not the favorite anymore but if if he's in the lineup i i still think yes you're gonna have to pick on five and six if you want to beat them but it's not like they're throwing you know uh, a high school kid out there at five and six these guys are still good they're just not petros and gojo right so so sh- they're still going to win their share of matches down there, but not as many as they will up top. And, but you're, and if you want to beat them, you're going to have to beat them at five and six, and then find two more, right? Probably doubles and somewhere else. But, uh, but, but if they pull, if they, if they don't have Gojo, and, and now it's not five and six, but it's four, five, and six, it's a hundred percent And even three at manageable. that point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you've pulled a of you up to three. So that makes, you know, a much more beatable as, as you tried to, to try, tried to, I, I don't, you know, goat me to today before the match into saying that, that, that there was a chance that, you know, they, I said, well, if they're going to win, they're going to have to, you know, they have to win one and two, uh, along with doubles and then, you know, and then find something else. But, uh, and you tried to say three and I said, there's zero chance <laughs> Zero chance that Sam Riffis loses to him. Well, you know, uh,
0: I like to troll. But then, yeah. look, I, I didn't want to do this because I'm trying to keep these episodes shorter, but it. It's a great shot podcast. I get to do what I want. I'm sick of all these requirements on the mini break. This is my show, so let me have a little bit of fun. One of the big topics I think coming out of this weekend's losses from Ohio State and Wake Forest. Um,. J.J. Wolf, born to Gojo, taking a break during the year, going to play uh, tour-level events. Now, Chris, given the state of flux the transition tours in, and I said flux, not the alternative, so no quack necessary, uh, but... I guess, do you think it's appropriate? Are you fine with Wolf and Gojo making the decision to, you know, hang their teams out a little bit? And that's a terrible way of saying it because as anyone who listens to the show knows, I'm so pro players getting to do this. Not to bias you, Chris, but given they don't know how else they're going to get into events, if you're able to play events now, do it. It's completely your choice. It's to your benefit. I get it. That being said, Chris, what are your thoughts on that? Are you fine with players taking that opportunity?
1: A hundred percent. I mean, it, it, I was fine prior to the transition tour. not you know, in, in my mind, I look at it like this. If you're, if you're a, a kid that's looking to m- try to make it post-college, uh, in, in that world, right, you're going to go tr- attempt to play, uh, then I have no problem with you using the, using the school while you are there to get in. Take your dates. Manage to get some, you know, what get your travel arrangements made and everything else. But go and play whatever you can. Uh, And it's and and most of the the coaches at that level are are there to help you. You know, they want they want to help you become a professional tennis player. So they're going to do what they can uh, in order to get you to there and get you those matches. So if you can go play it at that point, fine. Now, if you're a kid that's not going to play tennis post college, and you decide, hey ah, we got an SEC match this weekend, but you know what? I'm going to go jump, play this 15 K futures event over here. No, that's not cool. Right. That, that would be hanging your team out. But, but these guys, they're, you know, they, they're literally trying to set themselves up for the future. And now with everything that's gone on with the transition tour, uh, and, and how tough it can be to get in. If you have any opportunity to get into a challenger level event whatsoever, I don't care where it is. You take the opportunity and you go play because, you know, those those points. Now, now for someone like J.J. with the points he's got, he's going to get in uh, in all likelihood. And, and because of who he is and everybody that's following him, he'll get wild cards if he needs them. But uh, but sure, I mean, I don't whether it's Gojo, whether it's Roy Smith, whether it's J.J., whether Petros wanted to go play, what, you know, if Nuno was going to go play, if Blumberg wanted to go play, any of those guys was going to go play that you know are all going to make try to take a shot at playing after their college career, by all means they should play.
0: I agree with everything you said 100%. Well then let's move on to our next topic. There's so much excitement going on in the tennis world at any given moment. Uh it's hard to keep track of everything. Indian Wells, Drummondville Challenger, Phoenix Challenger. I'm uh, not even mentioning the other WTA events going on, but If you want to follow any of the daily content, check out our newest podcast, The Mini Break. We are doing that Monday through Friday. I'm sorry for keeping plugging it, but I promise if you like listening to this, you will like that. It's our usual cast of uh, Cracked Rackets characters, and we're letting other people host episodes. It's not just going to be me and Rothman, so if you like the content but are sick of the voice... Check out some of those episodes. It's a ton of fun. In that spirit, though, Chris, I want you to give a preview to our listeners of the weekend ahead. I believe this is going to be coming out Thursday night. So with that in mind, obviously, Ohio State, Texas is on the horizon. Um, So this take might be old by the time this is released. But beyond that match, what are you going to be watching for uh, in the coming uh, weekend?
1: Well, I, as usual for me, I'll be glued to all of the SEC matches, right? So, <laughs> so I mean, that's the, the, that's always the kind of the first and foremost in, in my mind. So I look for for who, who are the who are the good SEC matches that we've got coming up. But clearly, I'll be watching this Texas Ohio State match uh, tomorrow. That's going to be uh, that's going to be a great match. We've got. Do you
0: want to pick on the record or no?
1: On the record? Oh, no, J.J. Wolf. I take Texas.
0: Oh, I like it.
1: They they're yeah, I mean they're they're looking for revenge. The kid, uh, you know, they want they want back for that in that indoors Ohio State showed, "Hey, once we get outdoors, we can, you know, A&M beat them. it's possible. It can be done." I'll I'll say it. I'll I'll go and, and take. But, you know, I always like the underdog. It's boring when the favorite wins every time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that but I think, you know, another huge match, uh, this, this weekend in the ACC, right? We got Virginia and wake forest. Um, so that, you know, we start now when we start to finally see some of the top conference matchups, uh, getting together, that that's another big one that I'll, that I'll really be looking forward. And then, you know, on, on the sec side, I'll say one of the more interesting matches to me will be the ones between these kind of the teams that are right on the fringe, just outside the top four. I mentioned, but the, but, on Friday, we get South Carolina and Tennessee, both good. I mean, I just saw South Carolina firsthand. It's it's early for those guys. I mean, they we beat them four three, right? It was a tight tight match, and they played five freshmen. Uh, so they're clearly a very young team. Tennessee is not not so young. They do have some young guys, but obviously they've got a lot of a lot of veterans still on the team. So both both of those teams are kind of trying to knock on that door to getting into that, into the top. And the top four is a big thing in the SEC because you get the double, the double buy in the, in the conference tournament. So, so that's an interesting match to me, but outside of the SEC, I think that that Virginia wake match, uh, will be the, that, that's the key, the key match for me. I think that in the, in the weekend,
0: And we should say it's Wake Virginia Part 2, Virginia knocking them off earlier in the year, kind of reestablishing themselves as a threat in the college tennis season. Seems like the perfect uh, place to end because Virginia sneaks up to number three in this week's rankings. That's hilarious. I mean, you guys were all scoffing me for being on the Virginia train. Now they're up to number three. I know rankings don't mean anything, but ha ha ha. (laughs) I hope you heard. It.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, they they do mean something, right? I mean, the the top sixteen are going to host, and then the top eight of those that win will will also host again before going down there. So you absolutely want to be, uh, you know, it it pays to be ranked uh, in the top eight for sure.
0: Still, <laughs> oh no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> and This proves I'm just exhausted. Ah, uh, it's the over podcasting, but. The only rankings that matter to me, Chris. Our rankings we do we try to do at the end of each of these episodes. You know, we'll stick to the top five, have a good old school debate, factoring in uh, Ohio State's loss to A and M, but keeping in mind they don't have JJ Wolf. You know, let's start right there. Do you still have them number one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you don't. They're they don't have JJ Wolf, it, so you take the loss with a grain of salt. Yes, it shows that some of those guys can be beaten when they play a spot higher but uh when put JJ J. Wolf in the lineup uh it's a totally totally different ball game so they they're still number 1
0: I think they should stay at number 1 unless they lose to Texas then just having two losses it's hard although there's not really another team that has a definitive case to be number 1 so given they haven't had JJ Wolf I guess you could say the same thing about Wake Forest although I still don't know how that matches up if Gojo plays. I think you have to keep Ohio State at number one. No wolf means no count in my mind. Now, if he misses time later in the year, we'll talk about that then. But still, I agree. Ohio State number one. I have Florida number two after their wins this weekend. I'm guessing you're thinking similar.
1: Oh, you must be looking at my site right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I am a
0: frequent reader of college which our listeners should go check out.
1: I do have Florida in my uh, in my number 2 spot. Uh, I right just now.
0: know how you think at this point. We've done this enough. You know how, what I'm going to say. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Well, I know <laughs> we're going
1: to I know we're going to differ on the next one. So,
0: let's go. No, cuz you're going to say and number 3 I have Virginia. I don't. I'm not oh. I'm not that lured in. I just There's something about that North Carolina team I saw at indoors, the depth they have, the potential to get better at doubles, the fact that Will Blumberg's not 100% health yet. I have them still at number three. I think they're probably – I know the Gojo Wake Forest team is really good, but I just like North Ah. – I mean, my three and four are Wake Forest, UNC. I've been going back and forth. I can't give that impassionate take and not put UNC three. So I'll have them number three.
1: All right. Well, I've got, uh, I've got wake at number three.
0: Yeah. It makes sense. And then do you have UNC four? I do not. Really?
1: I have Texas at four.
0: Oh, that, that's my number five team. So then uh, tell me. And UNC. I have,
1: I have UNC at five.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we, so have, we the same, have the same, yeah. we have the same top five. We've just got a little different order. Teams. And on then the of pre- course we, we of course agree on number six.
0: Yeah, I mean, teams on the precipice for me, Stanford, Baylor, USC, Mississippi State, TCU. Uh, I'm trying to think, who would you have number six, Baylor? You've got to have Baylor. No.
1: Oh, shit. I got Baylor at, like, number 11. I've got really? Virginia at number six. Vir-
0: oh, I forgot about my who's. Because in my mind, they're always number one. So you got to yeah. keep that in mind. So <laughs> yeah. I, don't even, I don't even count them. Yeah, six, Virginia. Okay, that makes sense. Also, shout out to my Michigan team again, because those are my real boys, and they are top 15 with such a young team. You lose four single starters. Fenty's been great. Maloney's been great. I could do a full 30 minutes on just Michigan, but... I'm tired, as I mentioned. I think people are ready to wrap this up. It is an emergency pod, and we went beyond that. So, Chris, I want to give you the last word. Any final thoughts on the college scene so far to date? Anything you want to add?
1: No, hey, I think we've we've covered it all, and uh, I'm just ready to watch some more tennis this weekend.
0: <laughs> any Indian Wells takes? I feel like I never asked you about pros. What? Well, no, you know,
1: so I don't have any Indian Wells takes, if you will, but I, I will give you my one take from from the pro side, but but it's uh, from the challenger side is. Uh, so I'm looking at the draws for the two challengers going on, and I don't know how closely you looked at the at the draws there, but the Phoenix Challenger is ridiculous. Um, I, because so my first, the first thing I do is I look at the draw and I go, Ryan Harrison is unseated in a challenge.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean he's right, out of the top I,
1: 100 too. He, okay, but when's the last time I, when, when did, when did somebody that was just barely out of the top 100? So I look at it, the 16, and they seed 16 guys in a challenge. (laughs) The 16th seed in Phoenix is number 96. And, and you think, oh, is that the way they all are now? No, it's not the way they all are. I mean, go look at Drummondville where the rest of these guys are playing, right? The, the, uh, the number 16 seed in Drummondville is number 286. I mean, Top three hundred gets you seated up in in Drummondville, but it takes top hundred in. I mean that that is, that's absolutely ridiculous that some guy that could be ranked top hundred in the world doesn't even get seated in a challenger. That that's where that's what we've come to now.
0: <laughs> well, well, to you I have to say you must have been listening to our mini break pod because we covered just that topic on Tuesday, Jamie McDonald and I, and yeah, the draw is crazy. Did you look at Drummondville where we had Wolf? Kwiatkowski. Wolf beat Kwiatkowski one and two.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was just 79. I remember their
0: NCAA match.
1: 79% first serve, and it's not like he's, you know, the, the kid doesn't serve second serves for a first serve. Uh, you know, yeah. so he hits 79% of his first serves. I mean, his dad, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Now, that'll, that's going to be a great match tomorrow with Yannick Maiden, another former college player from Clemson uh who is the 2 seed out there but that uh but yeah that that match with Wolf and
0: Maiden uh oh i mean yeah no, there's a better chance of me getting 2.7 million dollars funneled for anything than there is of us seeing JJ Wolf in college next year i mean he's uh, ready
1: yeah for sure he's got he i mean he absolutely has to go and and honestly he you know in my, and I I have no knowledge here. This is complete speculation, right? But I know what this is what's in the head of the, the few American kids that are at that level in the college tennis game that they can think this, and that is he would probably go already if, well, A, I do think he's very loyal and he actually wants to win a title at Ohio State, but B, he's got to play NCAAs to get the main draw ber- bid to try to win, right, and get a main draw berth into the U.S. Open. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I, absolutely. It's the same reason everyone comes back for that so, extra year, to get the yeah. perfect launching point, get that wild yeah. card.
1: Yeah, but after but yeah, after this year, there's zero reason. Uh, I mean, with everything that he's done and the points he's got, it's, you know, not only is he ready, but it's actually time uh, for him to go. Right? I mean, it's not, he doesn't need to wait around and let points roll off or take a chance at not being able to play as many tournaments as he can. He needs to go and play now.
0: So my final question to you, what would you rather see? The Ohio State Wake Forest NCAA Tournament Championship Part 3 or a Petros-JJ Wolf NCAA Men's Singles Final?
1: So, I mean, I feel disrespected a little bit because I'd much rather see a rematch of Nuno and JJ. Wolf no, I knew in the you were going
0: to say that. <laughs> 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 so, you know, I mean, good answer.
1: Nuno needs revenge. Nuno beat Petros last year for that, for the fall at Indian Wells national championship. Right. So uh, I want, I want Nuno <laughs> and JJ in, in the final, but no, I love, I love Petros too. Right. So I, I, would, I wouldn't argue with any of that. I, and the the wake forest ohio state team match it's you know to me that's it's it's like the patriots and whoever at some point i just get tired of seeing the same old teams (laughs) and i want to see something new so from if you're going to make me pick of those i would much rather see the singles match and let's get some fresh blood in there you know let's get a let's get a florida or a mississippi state or a Texas or you know a let's Michigan. Get, a, yeah, Michigan. <laughs> let yeah let's get somebody else in there in, in the final this year from the from the team side just to just to spice it up a little
0: counterpoint this year's virginia is a new virginia so it's fine if they make the finals but we can wrap it up there uh you know i want to give a huge shout out to our super producers max flinger and daniel westhoff who have a f- an editing job to do as always Uh, If you haven't, go check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. We have been keeping you guys up to date on all things in the tennis world, Indian Wells, transition tour, college tennis, you name it, we've got it. And so, you know, go check that out. Uh, Listen to this podcast as well as our other podcast, The Great Shot Podcast. This is The Great Shot Podcast. See, I've been doing so many plugs. Listen to the mini break. It's fun. It's new. You'll like it. I promise. Listen to the Cracked Interviews. It's fun. It's less new. You'll still like it. I promise. Uh, listen to chris hallioris you can find his work at college he's been keeping us up to date with so much great college stuff and it's always fun to see when he goes live streaming as well that's always an added wrinkle to his playbook so be on the lookout for him but one last time for my wonderful co-host chris hallioris for our super producers max fliegner and daniel westoff and for our entire team at cracked rackets i am your host alex Ruskin. chris what do we tell our listeners hey great shot. You're getting better and better, I love it. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.